Hey there, cats and kittens. Another pre-podcast announcement. Just a reminder that the Melbourne Cabaret Festival is on right now. It's Friday the 17th of June. So you can see my next guest in this episode, Ash Flanders, right now. Uh, you can see me on the 21st doing the live Bang on the Strillers podcast recording at Chapel of Chapel at 8.30 on the 21st of June with Astrid and Otto, Carla Saeed and the artistic director of the festival, Mike McLeish. And you can also see my new original show, which has only got three shows, has a three-piece band, well, four, including me, called Fox Ponsing, and that's on the 23rd to the 25th of June. I really don't think I can ever afford to put on a show again. So please come please. It'll be good. Now, here is the second of my Melbourne Cabaret Festival guests in the podcast series, and that is Ash Landers. Book your tickets, www.melbournecabaret.com until the 25th of June. Get into it. Hey there, cats and kittens, and welcome to episode 15 of Bang on the Strillers with me, Geraldine Quinn. Who am I going to be talking to? Well, it's Ash Flanders. Ash has a show called Playing to Win on at the Melbourne Cabaret Festival at the moment. And in this episode, we talk about LRB, trading, you're the voice stories, Casey Bonetto again. I still haven't actually interviewed him, but we talk about him all the time. Being safe, reinventing the wheel, stand-up versus cabaret, brothels, and pug dogs. What's not to love? Don't forget to subscribe and rate positively on iTunes and also please book for everybody's show in the Melbourne Cabaret Festival, www.melbournecabaret.com. Also, I have a really bad cold. (coughs) But first, we come into the middle of a conversation where Ash Flanders and I were talking about a recent documentary that he had seen about something called Puppy Play. It involves people dressing up in costumes as dogs. How are we feeling about this? I am always thrilled that there's a new, uh, there's a new low. There's a new oh my high. goodness! Oh my god! Might have to cut that. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I don't know. I'm prudish. I'm a very vanilla. Are you? I guess. I'm not into that stuff. Doesn't get me there. Puppy play. It feels to. And this is absolutely mm. purely my my own personal feelings, which are valid. Yeah. Um, uh, like to me, uh, it, that starts to feel like an extra tool yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. to the intimacy that I would expect from yes. from a, a, a relationship. I mean, I imagine. <laughs> I and a lot know. of them say it's not even sexual, but it looks pretty sexual. <laughs> but like that, you, when you're in a puppy headspace, you are free and you don't worry about your life anymore, and if everyone loves a puppy and I'm a puppy, then everyone loves me. It's very that. So I think it's people that want to feel like they don't have a care in the world and that they're loved and cared for. And who doesn't want to feel that? It's just the look of it. The puppy aesthetic is so... Is it kind of a bondagey. Is it a kind of a latex sort of a suit? Full latex suits and snouts and like on all fours with tails. You couldn't do that in Australia. And you know, some of the tails, a lot of the tails are right up the tush. Really? Yeah. So it's like, it's not sexual, but there is something inside my tush. Yeah. Okay, we're talking about Ash Flanders. <laughs> that's great. I do, I remember seeing the picture, actually. I think that it must have been on recently, and I think, mm. I, I, think I saw an image and went, oh, I'm not, no. <laughs> I'm always interested in what people do. It's very fascinating, that stuff. I mean, that, that's an extreme case, but 
Everyone does stuff to get them through the day. To get them through the day and not necessarily sexually either. Mm. I mean, we all do have our little kind of things that we, we prefer, whether it's the song that we want to hear when we get up in the morning or yeah. a, a little breakfast routines. Or, or making art for a living to get you through the day. <laughs> yes. That's like, that's just as unhealthy. It's just as sick. It makes just as little sense. Oh my God. Do you know, there was a time I was talking to a fellow comedian and, um, and she was kind of going, I don't know what, what I want to do next. And I've got this idea, but I don't, I don't know if I, I've got the energy to do it, which is the hardest thing when you're sitting yeah, there yeah, going, yeah. I haven't got the energy. And I said, you know, the one thing we can do that's good, right? Because we write stuff. We don't need any money to write stuff. We need money to put it on. Yeah, exactly. But you can actually, some days I sort of go, do you know what? You got nothing. You don't know how the next bill's going to get paid. But you can pick up that guitar that you already own and make a thing out of nothing. Yeah. And hope it's good. I always feel like that. I don't know if you've ever felt like people have copied from you or lifted from you. But I haven't really felt that. But I've felt at times like, oh, that's really close to what I do. I'm kind of freaked out. Really? But um, only at times. But it has made me go, the good thing about being a creative is that you can always make more. That's the one good thing is that like, as long as you've got your brain in your head, you can always keep making work. And that's... The good thing to me is that even if even if you are pitted against someone or against something for a second, I mean, because I'm an actor, so like you literally are from a pile of people that are versions of you. Yes. And you go to the <laughs> same castings and you see the same people, and that's when I was like, well, at least I can make my own stuff, and like, and no one else will make stuff that I make. Yeah, because no one's got your stories. No. Yeah. So what's your show playing to win about and why have you named it after a fantastic uh, John Farnham slash LRB song? <laughs> Firstly, <laughs> let me say, my knowledge of music in general is so appalling that if you knew how little I knew about music, you would be disgusted with me. Because you said LRB and it took me a second to remember who that was. Um, <laughs> you thought it was an I was like, outfit. who is that? Is that a long lost Kennedy? Um, no, <laughs> JFK and LRB. But... um. Um, it's LBJ. No, it's Little River Band. Um, uh, I love Farnham, but that's a late addition to me. I mean, because growing up as a gay guy, Farnham wasn't something I was drawn to, but there's something so perverse about loving Farnham now <laughs> as a gay guy and going like, he's actually pretty fabulous. <laughs> he's got a really amazing hairdo and he's, his voice is like so incredible. And I know you love... You're the voice, right? That's your song. You've mm. done it. I've done it a lot. It's not my favorite. Probably playing two wins more fun. It's such a great song. Yeah. Please don't tell me because I know you'll do it. Uh, I've done than it me. before. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna do my version. Okay. <laughs> Which is a few keys lower. Um, oh, it's hard to sing. I don't know how he does it. I had a thought for a while that the show would be all Farnham because I thought what could be funnier and more unexpected than me singing Farnham. But like sat with my accompanist and I was like, we got to keep taking it down. And by the time it was in my key, <laughs> there was no point in singing. Those. It was just like an exercise in failure. <laughs> well, that's the problem with my show, You're the Voice. A few people did go, oh, it's a Farnham tribute. It's like, mm. no, no, it's the full title. It has a f- subtitle that explains <laughs> what. Anyway, but, but the first song, Casey and I did, you know, Casey made it really sound like a, well... Like you're the voice. Like it had oh the weird, God. sparse kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. 
all that sort of stuff was going on in the background, but he's very good at that sort of thing. Can I tell you my You're the Voice story? Mm-hmm. Um, I was at an all-boys school and I'd been there like my whole life from the age of three to 16. Uh, it didn't work well for me. And was doing. we were rehearsing speech night in the Great Hall, which was this like huge multi-million dollar hall. Um, it's actually the school where Jamae went to in her own show, Jamae Private School Girl. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, Back then, there weren't girls there. It was all boys. And we were singing You're the Voice, rehearsing it, rehearsing it in this huge uh, hall over and over again. And it got hotter and hotter. And boys started passing out because we were in, like, full private school drag, like, blazers, ties, long pants, shoes, standing up on these, like, huge rostra. And I was on a high... (laughs) <laughs> Rostra, and I started wigging out and I saw a boy getting dragged out and then we were singing suddenly everything went underwater and I saw the conductor like point and go catch him as I fainted oh and I was dragged out of the hall and everyone had stopped and I was still singing You're the Voice <laughs> on my own as I was dragged out of the hall <laughs> feverishly tossing yeah, your head yeah like a gr- gorgeous like still at like 15 my voice hadn't broken falsetto like just stunning vocals fantastic oh All man right. so but this show is the about... show is not about that the no. show is about um i guess the idea of how you win at uh, the entertainment business i guess but also like how you win at life in general i think like a lot of people, myself included, feel compared. Or I compare myself a lot to other people and try and see what they're doing and how I could learn from them or how I could be doing what I want to do better. And the idea of, like, how do you actually win and who's winning? Like, who's doing it right? Who is that? And what does it look like? And how do you stay winning? Because it's like people have moments where you just go, like, oh, my God. You know that thing of, like, um, at drama school or wherever, they're like, keep an eye out for this guy. He's going to be huge. And it's never that guy. Like, yeah. What happens to that guy? And what happens to the success stories when they fall off the perch a bit? So I talk about Brittany Murphy. I talk about like a lot of people that kind of lost their way. And then I talk about myself and the kind of issues I've had trying to work out where I fit in. But that's what that's something that's consumed me quite a lot is the idea of status anxiety within the arts. Because yeah. you, you do feel like you have to keep achieving and you have to keep making new things and you have to keep winning things. Yes. And that can overtake your desire to write anything good. Yeah. <laughs> Not that people who Absolutely. win a load of things don't doesn't mm. necessarily mean what they their output's any worse or anything. But but the way you're seen in the industry as yeah. oh, oh mm, you're not so hot anymore. If, especially if you've been there for a while. Yeah. Then the, you st- the the emerging artist has a moment, and the submerging artist <laughs> might have a moment. But the artist that's just on land, that's yeah. just like I'm on this island, and then you look around, and yeah, there's no resources. There's absolutely nothing um, except an audience, and that's a big part of this show. Is like the relationship with the audience, which I think for performers might be your longest relationship you ever have in your life is with this oh like god it is like this faceless kind of like mass of people that you mm. equivalent like you um, equate equi- equivalent equivalent <laughs> you equate with with love or with status or with esteem and so they become it always becomes about who's actually in control here is the audience controlling me am i controlling them it's that delicate dance so that's a part of it too mm. transition who's this that is me with Paul Capsus. Isn't That's it? That's a picture, yeah, from our show Calpurnia. It was like a backstage pic. 
He's I'm like quite, a hero. I, I'm quite far away. Which one's yeah. you? Me, one I'm, kneel- I'm kneeling at Paul Capsis's crotch, which is right. It's where I should be. <laughs> That's the right state of It's exactly where I should be. And the minute I walked in your door and I saw your, uh, your leotard. My bloody leotard. You've got a blood-stained leotard under glass in a frame in your yeah. hallway. <laughs> yeah, from where I actually cut myself in a show by mistake. And then I thought, well, that pretty much sums up life as an artist, is a framed <laughs> bloody leotard. When you first started to introduce it, I'm staring at it and going, what is this? It looks like it looks like ink. Yeah, it's a, it's a little yellow jumpsuit. Yeah, and tiny. It, I wish I could fit into it now. Yeah. If I could, I'd break it out of the frame. <laughs> and you've got like a, what looks like a black ink going all the way down one side from an armpit. Yeah. And the first thing you said about it was was cutting yourself performance, and I just immediately had a little tense moment of, oh, is Ash Ash is one of those <laughs> people. Of those. Is Ash safe? Yeah, I'm very like. Remember, <laughs> Pete Doherty used to make um artworks out of his blood for Kate Moss. Oh, God. Beautiful, talented man. Oh, my God. Well, I've seen, like, there's a fantastic artist called Kim Noble, who's a UK comedian and sort of linked to the Julian Barrett, um, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place kind of that Mm -hmm. thing. He pops up in the latter. And and my friend um, Dusty Limits, uh, who is based, an expat based in the UK now, Bought two tickets to see his show a few years ago, last time I was in the UK. And he said, can you come with me? I don't want to go on my own. And <laughs> so we turned up and it was at Soho Theatre and it was full. And in fact, Rich Fulcher and Julian Barrett and Jill Davis were like in the row in front of us. And it was, he's very, um, he's a performance artist and he's struggled a lot with severe mental illness. And it was one of the most insane Oh, that was so wrong. It no, was, it, was, it was like one of the most out-of-the-box things you'd ever it seen. It was so intense. Yeah. And there were, there were elements of it. There was a lot of uh, pre-recorded and then live in the room stuff. So we were sort of seeing vignettes, a lot of different genres and media. And one of them was <laughs> him um, filming himself. I don't know, which, which is the least gross thing I can explain to you. There is Okay, there's one where there's a shot of him. It's being shown, projected onto the screen. He's lying down, his face is on the asphalt, quite mm-hmm. close up, looking towards the camera. A woman's feet walked into frame and the feet, she put her feet either side of his head. Then her, you can see, you can only see her from like yeah. mid-thigh down. Yeah. And uh, knickers drop and she urinates on his head. And you're oh. watching it as he stares into the camera and you're kind of watching it going, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about this which was the yeah. point but when you to, gotta go you gotta go <laughs> to put yourself into those, those situations and that's one of the yeah. mild things yeah i can believe it yeah. i can believe it that's the yeah i guess in a way to get any kind of reaction from an audience now you do have to go <laughs> like full tilt boogie i'm not about to start urinating on my audience but like i don't know i feel like people are pretty unshockable in a lot of ways now or that like if you are trying to make provocative thought-provoking art how big do you have to go? I, I talk about it in the show that like I feel like a lot of art that I see, especially theatre, because I do a lot of theatre, is mm. um, it feels almost like it's so safe and almost like pre-digested. It just kind of like slides down the back of your throat and you don't even have to think about it. Mm. I find myself not challenged enough by art. I really like to see live performance that really makes me think and question stuff. And even that said, like I still really love a really funny evening with style show, as long as they're funny in a 
in a way that makes you question things on a deeper level. That's my favourite when a person makes me think and laugh at the same time. Yeah. And I stress, we've, we've both not been able to get that show out of our brains ever since. And that's like, that was a sliver of, yeah. of the huge range of things that happened. And every person's experience was different in that show. Not just because every person is different, but because there were points where people were ejected from the theatre. Yeah. There were several points where somebody, as part of what the performance was, had to leave. And they weren't allowed back in. And at, oh the, at the end of the show, everyone except five or six women to whom he gave a small medicinal um, uh, thing, a little jar, mm. of his own bodily fluids, yep. were the only ones allowed to stay. So we all, he was serious, like we all had to fuck off. Wow. And then they got that a different amazing. experience. It, it really was... <laughs> It was completely amazing and he, he was – like I know in Edinburgh a few, uh, years and years ago he did a show where he said, I will throw myself off a bridge at, unless somebody meets me at 3am on this day. Like I'm going to actually yeah, – because yeah. he's struggled with serious clinical yeah. depression. And thank God a few people did turn up. And there's plenty of bridges to throw yourself off in Edinburgh. Oh, my God. Yes, I've performed under one. It's <laughs> – that's so – Full on. And that was an early show. That was a few years before. He's he's kind of amazing. But it's really hard. It'll be beautiful and then it'll be, oh, I can't watch But this. that fearlessness as an artist is what I think a lot of us want. You know what I mean? It's that when you talk about trying to stay a winner or trying to stay relevant, I think it makes it hard to make work when you're worried about what people will think about it. Oh, yeah. You try and write from that space of true freedom and true expression because that's when I think we're all at our best. Mm. But that is so fearless. I mean, mm. that's that's borderline not taking care of... That's very practising very bad self-care. Yeah. <laughs> but... That's uh, unsafe is a word I like to use. Cause yes. Because so, sometimes you're working with someone you go, you're not very safe for yourself yeah. or for people around you yeah <laughs> and it's hard because we're so much i know as an audience i'm so attracted when someone's doing something truly dangerous but it's yeah it can be that thing of the coliseum the audience still wanting blood on some level you really <laughs> want to feel some exchange <laughs> exchange of fluid <laughs> exactly well, yeah if that's what it takes and yet in comedy you get people going oh i can't sit up the front they might ask me what my job is i know that blows my mind that people are freaked out about having to talk to a comedian or that it blows my mind what people still find shocking now like that that kills me when an audience is like, oh my God, I can't believe they, they said that or did that. It's like, Depends what worlds do we... Exactly. Yeah. That's totally right. But like what... But some people's worlds must still be so uh, cotton-wooled and so safe. And like, I'm a pretty boring guy. Like, I don't go out and go crazy. I don't do anything too nuts. But like, yeah, I, I, I usually need something a little more. <laughs> I like a little salt in my coffee. I need something sharp. I just need Let's some, some glass in my salad. Some brains and some thought behind your chord structures. And, or, yes. or someone to trick me. Like, I think that's why I love, uh, I love what Casey does so much because he's such a, he's such a um, he knows so many forms of music mm. and he's very good at, at aping them as well as subverting them and getting the yep. best out of the the um getting the best out of the what's the word i'm looking for um the stereotype yeah but then still saying something else with it and that's incredible well, you guys have that music brain 
that I don't have, which is like where music is like maths to you or like quantum physics or something where you're oh, like, I wish it was like maths. You're pulling it apart and, and interrogating it and seeing what, how far you can bend something before it breaks. How, how, yeah, how big a chord jump you can make yeah. before it doesn't make, make sense. sense. In, yeah. that's, that's a whole different thing of why certain sounds make sense to us compared to others. That's and how life. even me, a musical novice, would be able to go, that doesn't feel right. Like when I'm rehearsing, I'm like, that doesn't feel like the right, like something's wrong yeah. there. And I don't know how to articulate it. That's why I'm like, I work with my friend Dave and I can literally be like, I think this should sound like... Like a lullaby from the 70s, but it should be like <laughs> maybe with a metal moment in the middle and then we'll take it. Yeah, and luckily he, he knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, you get those people who just get how to yes. how to translate your shorthand for things. Yeah. yeah. I'm the same. I'm terrible with writing down dots, so I need those musicians who go, I think you mean this, and they'll play it. I go, I did that, yes. that's the one. Because I'll sometimes often just say, it's... I sorted this chord, but it's got this note in it, and sing the note, and they'll go, "All right, well that makes it this chord." <laughs> That's insane to me. Yeah. Can you hear something and play it? Um, what do you mean? Can you hear a song and then go, "Oh, that might be fun to do something with," and then you could actually just start playing it. I can work it out. Yeah. Yeah. How? See, I can't even. I can barely work out how to open a door. But that's just <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times I'm pulling when I should be pushing, you know. Oh, not about your <laughs> private life. <laughs> that's terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, expect jokes like that at my show. <laughs> Stand-up comedy versus cabaret. I think a big difference is a cabaret artist. You want to look at them. And you want to think that they are having the best time of their life because this cabaret artist usually is like, it's meant to inspire joy or something in an order. It's about pleasure. Whereas stand-up comedy is like mathematics and self-loathing put together. It's like the timing is either right or wrong. That person is here to make me laugh. And if they don't make me laugh, they failed. You know what the end product's supposed to be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Whereas cabaret, it's such a loose, which is why I like cabaret, is like a loose art form where anything goes mm. and you can really do whatever you want and stand-up is much more terrifying that's why i think a stand-up would come off and a most of them hate themselves anyway because <laughs> like as someone like me i want to make people laugh that comes from a place of like deep insecurity or, or wanting to make people enjoy life because you find life difficult mm. i think is usually like the standard stereotypical stand-up 101 pop psychology but Cabaret is meant to be this, yeah, like exciting, bold, fun, enjoyable, audience interactive, shared experience. A high status more? I don't know. I guess I think a lot of, of, when I see a lot of cabaret artists, they, the ones that I see crowds loving that I don't necessarily always love, they have a sense of uh, worship. Like they want the crowd to worship them. And the crowd really do. Um, I don't always love that. I love, I, I like the kind of <laughs> ratty person with bad teeth. I'm really into that. Oh, I kind of like the one, the aforementioned mm. one, but when mm. they're a mess. Yes. Yeah, when yeah. it's all high status and control and yeah, fury, yeah, yeah. but it's all a mess. It's all falling apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Do you mean deliberately falling apart or they are, They don't know that they're a mess? No, deliberately. Oh, okay. So like, so Mrs. Bang with Sheridan Harbridge yeah, 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 yeah. or Tina Del Twist yeah. or Meow Meow, I think yeah. of them as high status for themselves on stage. Absolutely. But they're actually a complete mess yeah. as, as well. Like the high status clown. I'm definitely like a low status clown. 
Oh, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always <laughs> talking about how stupid I am. I can't do anything right and how things don't work out for me. Have you... Is this... The, this wouldn't be the first time you've done a solo show as you... Oh, my God. No, no. This is my fourth. But fourth. always as you? Or? Uh, yeah. Well, one of those shows, Mean Girls, I was playing lots of different people in it. But the other shows were Negative Energy Incorporated and Special Victim. And now this is <laughs> playing to win. Good title. Yeah. I have a lot of time in between acting gigs to come up with a title. So Usually good. the title comes first. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And then it's always just um, the material is always just whatever I found myself constantly talking about at dinner parties. Like clearly some thought. I am processing something and not quite getting there, so I have to nut it out in a show yeah. to work out what the hell I'm talking about. Oh, wow. Yeah. Are you a Melbourne boy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've always lived here? Yeah. Yeah, I've only moved up about six train lines in my whole life <laughs> on stations. Yeah, it's insane. My life's incredibly small. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> Low status clown. No, there you go. <laughs> I had no choice. I got moved around. So, so where were you from? Wagga Wagga, as my, mm. any listeners I have would know. I uh, know Aura Beach, and that's about it. I don't know what that is. Oh, Aura Beach, when I was in Wagga Wagga touring educational theatre, I <laughs> was one of the many amazing jobs I've had. I, uh, there was a place called Aura Beach, which wasn't a beach, obviously. No, it's like a river. And it was just, um, I think, just completely covered with fallen down logs. It looked terrifying. Yeah. yeah. And some local had said, you've got to check out. And I think they were taken the piss oh they didn't get you to go to the murray cod farm no oh, see that was that and was i think my... i went to the nightclub that you go upstairs to a nightclub above a restaurant i wasn't an adult in wagga wagga oh okay <laughs> maybe that was someone's house i don't know what mm. but i was dancing was the brothel. i danced up a storm and then got out before i got beaten up <laughs> transition you showed me the brothel you mm-hmm. can see from your house there's a lot of brothels around my house Really? It's good to see a lot of actors in between gigs who's working. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant visiting. <laughs> no, no. Oh, bless. Don't you love it though? They, they always look the same. You walk, you just you just drive past and go, that's a brothel. That's a yeah. house that's an, an interesting shade of musty pink and or grey. Yeah. And all the windows are blacked out and they have a neon sign. Yep. It's like, it's like everything you've done to decorate this house suggests you're trying to hide something, but the very act of doing Hiding that yeah. has made it really obvious. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's like me dressing up as like a, a footy player would make me look more gayer than if I wore a dress. It's like, like wow, some boys, you put a wig on them and you're like, you look more manly in that long red wig than you did with your short hair. <laughs> I had friends who used to when we were very young, oh, this is gonna. This sounds like the start of a terrible story, but yeah. can't stay with me, um, would, would drive to and hang around the um, the car parks of the local brothel just to watch people going in of and course. out. Just just to go, who's, who's doing it? Who's doing this? Yeah, yeah. What is this? Um, and another friend who used to call up um, brothels and pretend she wanted to work there. This was in the era yeah. before mobile phones. And so <laughs> and so she, she'd kind of go, and she was really good at it. And it was just to amuse us in the room. And she'd do it more than once to this one brothel. No, there were, no she, she um, spread her targets. <laughs> and I said targets then. I definitely yeah. said targets she was spreading. <laughs> and she'd call up and give a false name and then give measurements and then would oh, give wow. a phone number. And they would catch you out because they'd call the number while you were still on the line and if it... If it rang, they'd sort of go, oh, don't waste our time and hang up on you. And it was just for a giggle. Just wow. on a Saturday night. And that they had to do that that much. Like they had to have a system in place because clearly people loved pranking them. Yeah. 
Wow. Prank calls. People don't really do that anymore. I've called up people to ask them for their phone number, like on the number that I'm asking for. <laughs> what? Well, if I you, called you on your mobile yeah. number and said, oh. oh, Ash, I've lost your mobile number. What, what's your number again? You would tell me, even yeah. though I just called you on your number. I probably would. Yeah. That makes no sense. Yeah, it's fun. It also makes no sense that you do that. I don't do it so much anymore. <laughs> I'm quite busy. <laughs> do you know what? I don't like pugs. Really? Yeah. Because they drool and they look... Like they are miserable to be alive. Th- that's yeah. exactly why yeah. I don't like pugs. Yeah. I, I, f- I find them sad, not cute. I, I see deformed face. Yeah, you see something that's been bred and bred and bred down into something hideously beautiful, hideous. Yeah. Mm, yeah. 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 I feel bad for them. Me too. Peg your knees too. Any of them have got, I don't know what the name, there's a word for it with their pushed in faces. With that, and they have all those respiratory problems. It's yes. like they can't breathe. Yeah. Because their snout sort of goes about two millimetres before the nose starts. And they're and like English bulldogs, when their teeth, like, uh, they've got huge underbites. Yeah. And their teeth are designed to not fit in their mouth by breeders. Like, they're yes. supposed to hang out. It's like pit bulls are bred to have lockjaw. My friend was telling me yesterday, they're the only breed that get full lockjaw. And if they grip onto you, they're designed to never let go. But and that, that's why apparently you have to, like, stick your finger, finger up, up their bum. bum. Yeah. We go back That's to cra- and we're back to probably why people are into pup play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're all pit bulls. <laughs> do you do test audiences? Oh, I wish I wish I had the time to and had things ready early enough to do that. I I do tend to do a bit of a scream to the finish line, and I don't like it. I yep. hate it. Yeah. Um, but if were you like that in high school with assignments? Would yeah. you do it last minute? Yeah. It is so. There are so many difficult things when you're trying to um make a show that I don't think. Not that people should think about it, because really, but it's like, it's like the administration of making your own show, the scheduling, the like booking spaces, the trying to balance a budget. Yeah. All that stuff is so not why you become an artist. And mm. then it becomes, it seems like 70% of the job mm. is like sorting out your whole life so that you can still do this thing that your whole life is actually about. Yeah, I know, it's nuts. And I don't do test audiences, but um, I was talking to a comedian and she was saying, oh, God, I can't imagine not doing a test audience. And then I got really spooked. That's what surprised me too is how much at 34 I'm still able to be – I still have that um, imposter syndrome of like, how do people actually do this? Am I doing it right? Is this the way people actually do it? Everybody has that though. Everybody has that. Everybody has a shit gig sometimes. It's all the same. But one thing about having a little bit of a toe in the comedy world is I can do a spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so there are a couple of songs in this show that I had written outside of shows and went, you know, I think they'll fit in this. Yeah. And I know they work. Yeah. Because I've done them. So it's just the new ones. I'm sort of like, I've got to try to cobble its shape and also work out if what I'm trying to say is going to translate to an audience or are they going to... Take it the wrong way. Are they going to yeah. take it at face value and think I'm being aggressive with them? And oh my god! What do you think? Do you think your new show is? I know you're doing two. Do you think the one you're writing these songs for is? Uh, is it angry? Is it aggressive? No, I think it's it... full on. Yeah, me too. I think mine is too. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit. You and I have had it. <laughs> yeah, I've <laughs> had got it. Got things to say. I have. Yeah, I have. I have had it. I feel like everything I've done has been a reflection of where I am at that point in my life. Same. Yeah, and this one, I'm just feeling very, um, I'm feeling very, wondering if I've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> okay, I love that. 
again, this is why people could think it's your best work ever because it's that thing. It has to be scary. If it's not scary and dangerous, I don't think it's worth pursuing it. Oh. And I think honesty is always scary. I accidentally kind of went to the song that I'd just written. I went, oh, God, it's really sad. I don't know if anyone else should care, though. That's the I have that too, yeah. Yeah. But people do. And I think that honesty is that, you know, there's like a liner, there's some sort of rule in improv that if you're really specific, it becomes universal. And I think that's really true. I think telling a very personal, your own personal story, people find their own way into it. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think that you know, we are more alike than we are different. And a lot of people are going through stuff that is, would seemingly have nothing to do with where I'm at in my life. And yet they will completely take something from it. Yeah. But then it's weird too. Cause like, I'm not that sold on cabaret being like a, the self help aspect of cabaret is kind of kooky to me. What do you mean? Where shows have like a message or that shows are meant to have the answer to some sort of problem. Where it's like, you know, you get to the last speech of the show and it's like, but I guess what the whole point is, is that we, yeah, we are more alike than we are different. Or yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, I guess we just choose happiness, you know? And oh, I like things more spiky. Well, that's the same with any you know, comedy shows that do the same thing. Yes. But sometimes it works. You've got to be careful if you're going there and be skilled. Yeah. But, um, but more often than not, it's, yeah, I don't know. Have I ever done that? Mine have always ended I up I definitely sad. have. I mean, you are saying something. You should hopefully be articulating something, if not many things in your show. But Mm. it is funny. I know I've done that. And, (laughs) you know, but my my messages are always kind of the wrong message. It's Mm -hmm. like I get people to leave with the wrong idea. And this one, I kind of take apart that idea that if I'm... Because this show really interrogates, I guess, the art form of cabaret or what people are coming to the festival expecting to see. So, like, I... I'm like, you know, I know you want sequin outfits. I know you want big songs and audience interaction, but like, I'm a mess. You like, I can't do that. I can't, I wish I could. I can't give you that show. And so failure is kind of really important to my show. Well, failure is really important to everyone. And that's what we're talking about before with the status anxiety thing. And with the idea of when you're continuing to like, how you feel like you're on this wheel trying mm. to keep keep up it's it's yeah, it's exactly my show well yeah the it's, wheel. it's yeah, saying yeah, 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 yeah. everybody everyone is a failure yeah <laughs> everyone is and the yeah. minute that you can go it's actually a beneficial thing to fail at something and, yeah and get what you get out of that experience exactly. then then if we focus on that then we'll be happier because we're not always trying to win everything Exactly, and if you keep praising the person who's winning, all you do is telling the other people that they're not... Like, it's so damaging. I mean, at the same time, I'm really against giving everyone a participation award for anything that, like, not everyone's amazing all the time. You are not always the best. But I think, you know, again, this will never be in my show, but I guess the idea is that if you keep trying and you're honest and you follow whatever your passion is, then that is the only way you can have any modicum of success. Mm. Because what's the point otherwise? Mm. But it's easy to say as an artist because we've given up a lot in order to do yeah. the, the ridiculously counterintuitive work that we do. <laughs> where it's like, this will not help me secure any future for myself. Well, you're in an industry that thinks that, oh, if you're on telly, then that's success. Or, uh, you know, if you're from overseas, then that's success. Oh, you my know? God. It's, it's just, I mean, I've written a song about the cultural cringe. So that's the way it gets, yeah. that's where it gets sad. My show starts to go, oh, it's, there's lots that's not sad, folks. Mm. But, um, yeah, just that feeling of am I trying to keep an industry alive because I haven't got any option but this industry to work in, mm-hmm. you know. Um, 
and with all the stuff that's happened in Australia recently as well with cuts and what have you. But even then, there's also yeah. but there's also another element of of, of industry where it's um, what's worthy. Totally, yeah. totally, totally. So we see our friends um, get um, get hooked up with such and such a venue or yep. whatever else, and then and go. But they get this chance to work on this thing with that support, but they might have caveats with that as well. So that exactly well, everything looks better from the outside as well. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know that's the thing I have. I'm very comfortable comparing myself to people and finding myself lacking. <laughs> I am not good at like doing an interview where they're like, "Wow, so you've you've really done this and that," and I'm like, "No, no, please, like." <laughs> Please, please, no, there is so much more I have to do. This You should be talking to that person. You should recast and hire that person. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a thing. It's the artist just like never being satisfied with themselves or their work, which is good, I think, as long as it doesn't get in the way of you making your work. Yeah, you'd have to be obsessed with it to want to do it because the idea of just having a, a really stable, secure job is what helps you travel the world and buy property and see friends and do all those things that sound really nice. Going out to dinner, mm. being able to go like, yeah, I'll have another coffee. Mm. I can afford a pair of jeans. That'd be nice. Mm. I've been in the one pair of jeans for 12 months. <laughs> I can afford to go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm sure my leg's supposed to be falling off. It's fine. Why do I smell toast? Yeah. <laughs> I think the first time I saw you was when you were doing the Pimp My Play for Don's Party. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and we, me and Declan sang Stay by Shakespeare's sister. Yes. Yes. And Zoe Coombs Ma did yes. something that has disturbed me ever since. Yes, her and Mish kind of like <clears throat> almost, yeah. It was one of those moments in yes. theatre that I just went, this is amazing what's happening. I know. <laughs> I know. It was pretty extraordinary. But yes. I'd heard of you guys before, but I hadn't actually. That was the first time I saw you. Mm. We'd been lurking in car parks and garages. <laughs> brothel and just, car parks. Yep, just brothel car parks. Just <laughs> make, putting our Rabe. friends in dresses. Yeah, watching Pamela go start her shift, then stealing her dress <laughs> while she's with a client and doing a show. <laughs> 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 to my knowledge, Pamela has never engaged in any sort of work at any establishment that could be considered a brothel. I concur. Although the entire entertainment industry. <laughs> some low-hanging fruit but hey that's fine there's a song in my show that i wrote a little while ago but it's about um music theater people who are because i find we talk about i was hoping we talk about this yeah music theater people i find there's a lot of the moment who are really 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 into it (laughs) it is it is i feel for these kids because i guess that like now uh, music theatre students are taught like, you know, now in between auditions, you really should keep your craft up and why not make a cabaret? And a lot of them do it as part of their course now, right? But the idea of like, this is what, I don't want any art form to be uh, unemployed people from another art form just kind of hanging out and like just keeping their skills up. I don't want to watch you do a class on stage. I don't want to see that. I know this is really vicious and petty and I honestly don't see tons of cabaret because that's my fear is that I'm watching uh, like a, a music theater graduate sing their their songs from their folio and kind of loosely cobbling together some sort of life story narrative that's like picture it first day of school me the boy in the blue shirt him my love of my life you know I'm gay oh my god my parents don't understand like oh my god 
Uh, this is horrible and I'm sure I've made that show. But we don't need to see it. Please stop. Please stop. Please stop. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. And these are beautiful people, but it's like, we're not here. you got to, what are you saying? What are you saying? With Come dip- on. Come on. I'm 26 and I'm single. It's yep. really hard. Yeah, and here's Adele's latest album. Like, here's every song from the Adele album. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. The difference is that if you see, the more stuff you see, yeah. then the more you see what's being said. And we've all okay. done it. Okay, okay, yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's the thing. The cringe is because you know that voice is in you as well. Like, there yeah. is totally that boy in me that wants to wear, like, the spiky shoulder pads and sing yeah. like a Lady Gaga song. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, like, and then, like, segue into, you know, or am I losing my mind? Like... <laughs> Like, we've all thought about it. We've all thought about it. We're human. We're all human. We all love, you know, a God. And then you see those shows and the audiences are going nuts for them. And that's when I freak out and I'm like, am I the, like, am I the problem here? And that's another whole thing about playing to win. It's like when you see people being celebrated in the culture and you're like, but I just don't get it. And I'm telling you, it is not a jealousy thing. It is not, I don't want to be that person. It's just... I'm shocked you all want to watch that. I'm, it blows my mind that you all think that's amazing. Mm. And I wish I could do it and I wish I could make that art and be proud of it because that person loves that show. You know, yeah. the person who made it, it is really important to them and they should have all the success. I just wish I could get on board with it. Mm. And that's where you go like, you know, different strokes for different folks. Mm. I just wish I was a folk that had a large audience that yeah. like loved everything I did and I didn't have to kill myself trying to think of, you know, like... Didn't have to go through an I didn't have to wear a bloody leotard, you know, I didn't have to cut myself on stage. I just wish it could be that easy as being like, I was in love once, you know, falling in love again. Like, that would be so nice. I couldn't do it. I couldn't. We should. Should. It'd be so much easier. It's so much better. Magnificent rant. Oh my god. But this this is the rant you hear from me at 3 a.m. after a lot of red wine. And I'm just like, yeah. But then I say names and they cannot do that here. It's really funny where you work out where your boundaries are and where your rules are. Because I think some people would look at the work I've done and gone like, wow, I think he just does whatever the hell he wants. Like, but it's, I've thought about everything too much probably. But, and you, you have all have, those yeah. invisible rules that you're like, oh, well, I, I know I'm not a performer that changes lyrics to pop songs. I just know that about myself. You can do it, but you've got to be smart because everybody yeah, does it. Everybody does it. But I'm just like, I'm just not that person. And I don't really know why I'm not. It's like with this show, I'm like, I'm not doing any drag in this show. And it's like, I don't know why, but that's just the new rule. I'm not doing that. Like, it's interesting when you, you try... You, you just instinctively have these these boundaries. And I guess it's a way to carve out your own space mm. in this, like, really saturated landscape where I think a lot of people are just making shows to make a show to make a show. And that's not enough for me. Yeah. You've really got to give me something to think about. Yeah, you don't have to do, you don't have to do a show every festival. Like, you don't... No. You, if you haven't got the Please idea... Please don't. Don't. <laughs> Please don't do a show every festival. It took me years to learn that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And the only reason I bring it back to me is because I'm saying... I'm, I'm, I'm as much to blame. Yeah, none of our hands are clean here. Yeah. Yes. yes. We yes. are not. We are not in an ivory tower. <laughs> we are just in an apartment in South Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. This is like... Yeah. In the same way that, um, I mean, Mark actually had to say to me recently, people who come to see you are, are coming to hear your songs. Yeah. You don't have to make it a big 
thing or give it a massive point. That should be enough. And mm. we don't think that because we're sitting there going, no, it's got to be worthy. It's got to say something no one else yes. has ever said before. It's got to be expressed in a way that no one's ever done before. And sometimes it's like, well, you're a complex person and yeah. you're the only Ash Flanders yeah, that yeah, there yeah. is. Yeah. And so the way that you see things, because you're thoughtful, mm. is always going to be unique. I know, but I totally get that pressure of like, I've got to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Every, and that thing of like, no, but I already did that in another show like five years ago. It's like, kid, no one remembers that show. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you, you, and then you go see someone and you literally hear them doing the same material. Like I saw, and I am going to say the name. I saw, um, what's her name? Um, <laughs> I'm going to say Oh, <laughs> Penny Arcade. Penny Arcade from New York, right? Yes. Uh, fabulous Warhol superstar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she did her show. I saw it. And then friends of mine were like, she's still got half of her act from 30 years ago. Mm. And this is a person who's got a legacy and they're very impressive. But I could never do that. I could never repeat material. I could never give you the same thought twice. It's like, because I should be somewhere different four years from where I last was. Or like, surely I've moved on. Yeah. And if I haven't, I shouldn't be charging you tickets to come see me be stuck in a swamp. You know what I mean? Well, it took me 10 years to do a best of show. Yeah. yeah. And that was partly because I wanted to do some of the songs with a band because I didn't yeah. get to do it with a band. But so 10 years, that is a moment. That is like a moment to be marked. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, though. There's yeah. bits where I look at some of my shows and go, I don't know if I want to tour that because I just feel like I'm not that person anymore. Oh, my God. So my last show, Special Victim, was offered a tour this year. And only a, like I'm not bragging because it was would, only a little moment. We but. would be happy to take all paid tours. Exactly, I please. Stress, yeah. But continue. <laughs> it's just forward checks. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I was just like, yeah, that's like it's all fine. Like all of that would be good financially, and you know, to go to a new market, whatever. But I was like, I just actually can't do that show anymore. It feels like a lie for me to get up and say that stuff now because yeah. I actually don't believe some of that now, or I've resolved a lot of it. Yeah. So it, it feels really disingenuous. Again, another funny rule to have as a performer. Because what, you have to rewrite your act every year. It's like, apparently that's what I'm going to do. Well, I'm just going to keep writing. That's where it's good where you, when you can, um, when I can do albums. Because yes. the songs are the songs. That's yep. it. They're going to be, they exist. Yep. Same way as an artist painting a painting that can have a, a retrospective exhibition somewhere. Yes. But yeah, actually getting up and doing that particular show with those particular issues is... Yeah. is um, yeah, it makes you feel a bit funny. That's the thing with this art form, with all live performances, that that's what makes it valuable and makes it so difficult is that it happens and then it's over. And that was that night, yeah. that moment, and then it's gone. Yeah. And you spend maybe the next night chasing that show you did the night before. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> just let tonight's show be tonight's show. That's the thing I've got to, you know. Yeah. Control issues, which you wouldn't think I'd have, being that I write my own material, do everything myself, <laughs> and then, you know, like only talk about myself. But um, well, yeah. if you were, uh, if we weren't talking about yourself in this context, it would be kind of a pointless exercise. Me being here. No, I think you're just here to give me therapy. So no, that's uh, hey, it's mutual. No one's hearing this, right? No one's going to hear <laughs> no. this. This is just me and you talking. And maybe Alistair Smith, who, yes, who I think listens. Hi, Alistair. Hi, Alistair. I've known Alistair for years. Oh, he's a lovely man. He's another uh, Ballaratian. We went to Ballarat. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah Ballarat's got a, a pretty uh, strong artistic um, education sort of system. Says you. Yeah, I went there during a really rough time Says in Ballarat. <laughs> I, you know, you won't hear me talking the place up. Trust me. Trust. And when were you there? I was there in 2000, 2002. Um, my three-year performing arts course. And in my first year there, the head of the course left and like did this really emotional... Because he was um 
he was my people. He was a gay dude. And he did a really Queenie Lalini uh, kind of, and I say that with love because I, I can, it's, I, I smell my own. The, he did a real like Quinny Lalini move where he like held up his resignation in like a school meeting and was like, well, I've got to go. They've told me I need to leave. And all the students are literally like getting up doing like, oh, captain, my captain. And oh my like God. going, we're going to change the, we're going to go to the vice chancellor. We're going to hold like a, a tapathon, and we're going to tap. And I'm like, please don't try and show the value of our course by tap dancing for hours on end. That is not going to make people like us. That's actually... <laughs> You couldn't make, like, you just might hold up a sign saying irrelevant art forms. Like, it's so rough. I love tap music. It's fine. You know, yeah. great. It's changed the world. But um, <laughs> it was this moment of, like, then he left. Then all the staff left. Then the, the campus moved. Then they put it on Camp Street. And they wanted to call the new school the Camp Institute. Oh, God. Yeah. Hang on. Which, you know, I didn't need to do three years at the Camp Institute. Thank you so much. I had that covered from, like, birth. I didn't need that. <laughs> So it was a mess when I was there. It was a mess. It was a mess. They asked me last year, this is so dumb, but they asked if I wanted to do an interview to like with this, with like as an alumni, like a successful performance Shush. alumni. <laughs> and I just said, pass. No thanks. <laughs> Anything I did, I did without y'all. Thank you so much. Oh, so bizarre. No, I, I didn't. I just meant that it's probably the biggest performing arts school outside of the Melbourne ones. That's yes, all. it is that. And I've been at. I was at a VCA party years ago when they were like, when the VCA school model was changing and all the VCA graduates were like, well, you know, theatre's going to be over. I mean, the only good actors come out of VCA. And I was like, (laughs) I could not believe the ubris of these people. I was like, are you serious? It's just the whole thing. Like, I don't know anyone who had a great time at performing arts school. I think it's a horrible place where you make all of your mistakes and teachers tell you insane things. They're like, oh, you know, every actor has three classic monologues at their disposal at all times. And then you graduate and you're like, that person never made it to an audition in their life. (laughs) You know, and I don't think me reciting Richard III is going to help me book that Doritos commercial, which will pay for a mortgage. So (laughs) go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> keep keep telling students to walk around a room and breathe for five years, like now run and then stop and move on impulse. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think water finds its own level, and a lot of my teachers were at the right place. <laughs> Ash <Blanders. laughs> I think we can, that's a great place to wrap it up because <laughs> my fangs need to retract, and I need to remember that I'm a really happy person like, with a really fun show. Yeah. Do you know what? Ash Flanders, you really are a fun person with a happy fun show. Yes, we talked about how everyone's a failure, music theatre and cabaret, and John Farnham. So much John Farnham. Tune in next week for whoever the hell I decide to edit next. Really, I have no rhyme or reason to this. I'm going to get a worried text from you at like midnight going, can you actually just delete all these? Please things? delete everything. I'm really proud of Bella. I loved it. I loved it. They were so helpful. No, you'll never hear that from me. <laughs> but also because I'm going to have to rescue my car in oh a minute. Oh my God, of course. And what they did was 10 minutes to actually say all the bad things with names that we want to say once I pressed stop. Okay, press stop. On okay, the stop. thanks Ash. Bye. <laughs>